I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Drew Brees is out. He's done. But it's Taysom Hill now in. Helmets off. It's now on. Hey, folks. Welcome to another episode of Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell, your host here. Got a fun show today. Uh, of course, Drew Brees is now retired. He's 42. About time. With, I don't know. 80,000 yards. I think my arm would fall off if I threw for 80,000 yards. And Drew Brees, is, uh, he's done. So where does that leave the Saints? Where does that leave Taysom Hill? Where does it leave everyone? We'll get into that in a minute. But uh, <clears throat> University of Utah started spring football practice. And of course, probably going to have another new starting quarterback this season. That'll be a fun thing to watch. And then, well... You have uh, Taysom Hill. Is he the guy? Can he do this? Can he be a starter every day in the NFL? We're going to find out. And I think it'll be fun because he's a very um, kind of engaging player. There's, there's something about him that's uh, – there's a, a magnetism to Taysom Hill that I find interesting. All right, but first let's talk about what's going on at the University of Utah. Spring football practice has started 19 – 19 of 22 starters will be back at the University of Utah this fall, a team that went uh, three and two in its uh, massively shortened season. Utah was the first or the last Power 5 school last fall to actually start. But it was uh, one of those, I really believe, amazing blessings and gifts in all of what COVID has taken away, I think, as far as football for Utah, it actually gave the school quite a bit in the sense that before the season started, there was so much inexperience, most of it on defense, uh, a lot of it actually, and a lot of talent, just no game experience. So Utah got game experience. They got, they got to kind of get their feet wet a little bit, and then they go into uh, spring football so much more prepared for next season they have a good idea of who their team is and this team could be really good uh, tragically of course they lost one of their starters <clears throat> from a year ago ty jordan to uh, a, a, an accident a, a gun accident and then the quarterback situation where uh cam rising had emerged as the starter everyone was excited to see what kind of year he was going to have and it, it stopped really stopped before it ever started it was unfortunate and it was hard because Jake Bentley who came in who had played at South Carolina and had a lot of success Jake Bentley didn't really get the preparation time to come in and and really have a, a good season there was no spring football there was a limited fall practice and Cam Rising probably got most of the reps. Plus, Cam Rising had been in the program and knew the system better than Jake Bentley. So, tough, tough situation for Jake Bentley to actually come in and do well. That being said, 
there's really like maybe one or two questions about what's going to happen next year on this team. And of course the big one is at quarterback. Well, Charlie Brewer, who has had an outstanding career at uh, Baylor, he, he leaves, leaves Baylor and, and enters the transfer portal. And this, this is a guy who <clears throat> is very, very successful uh, in the, uh, you know, play. And he's, and he's a legitimate dual threat quarterback. So uh, he's going to have the benefit, which is what I believe a massive silver lining in, in all of what happened last year where Cam Rising is still injured. Right? So he's not going to be playing in, this spring. And, and he's going to – so he'll be out. And Charlie Brewer is going to get probably as many reps as he can possibly handle going into spring football. And that's a massive, massive gift for him. And everyone talks about a quarterback battle. Is Cam Rising going to be able to do it? He'll come back in, the fall, in fall camp. But I really think uh, he'll be behind at that point. Everyone, a lot of people, very high, very high on Charlie Brewer. In fact, a lot of national media people in their early predictions feel because of Charlie Brewer coming to Utah that uh, they're one of the favorites to win the conference, not just the South in the Pac-12, but the actual Pac-12 conference. Got this young, <clears throat> very talented defense that's now got some experience, really solid offensive line, talent at the skill position. They'll find a running back, and now they have a quarterback, Utah. Utah's probably the most complete team in the Pac-12. But the quarterback situation has, has to uh, unfold. So, so you've got all of spring football practice, which they didn't have a year ago. I mean, you think about it. I think Utah had like three practices. I don't even know if they had three practices and everything got shut down. So having all of that time, plus having fall camp, and then the other benefit of this year is there's a, there's a non-conference schedule. And Utah's non-conference schedule is, it's a good schedule in the sense that they have Weber State, uh, which they'll win. They've got BYU, which they'll win. And BYU is a good team. But they, they're in transition. Zach Wilson's not there. They've lost a lot. Uh, they'll be rebuilding. They'll be a good test, a good challenge. It'll be in Provo. It's, it's a rivalry game. It's always a challenge. And then the third game is against San Diego State, which is, which is a good test. But nonetheless, uh, that's a good non-conference schedule. So whoever the quarterback is, and really this whole entire team, you just have so much more time. It's like, like it seems like an eternity compared to last season with COVID to get yourself ready. And then your first conference game is at home against Washington State, which is, which is another good uh, starter opening game for, for the conference. Because what happens, and this happened a year ago, or it was really two years ago, Utah's first conference game was at USC. So you have these athletes, this talent, you know, and, and that's how you, you know, so it's speed. It's a lot of speed, a lot of tempo, and, and, and that's where USC is. When, uh, when Utah went there a couple of years ago, they'd gone through their non-conference schedule and they played in games against lesser competition. So I don't think they were up to the speed of how fast USC played. Clearly it was a problem. And they, they didn't handle it well. And so getting Washington State 
who I'm not saying isn't isn't slow, but it's certainly not the talent of USC, and that's a good opener. And then Utah will go to to USC, and quite frankly, that's going to be the, you know, it's going to be who wins the conference, uh, quite frankly. So that'll that'll be a big game, and Utah could be in a really nice position by the time they get there. And then of course they play Arizona State coming home, but Utah also has a bye week before they play USC. So they can be really healthy, really prepared, as good as they possibly could be going to USC. And I say all this because it's important for the quarterback. <clears throat> you can learn the offense. You can go through spring football. If you're a guy like Charlie Brewer and you've just gotten into the program and you'll start understanding it. And it goes in levels, right? You, you, they, they teach it to you in a classroom. You go out on the field, you understand it. Uh, you know, and you, and, you, and you get more comfortable with it in the practice tempo. Then you go into call into fall. It's a little bit more, uh, you know, a, a, a much faster tempo. But then you get into games. And for these young players in college, it really is nice to get a few games to get up to uh, feeling comfortable in a game situation. So having this schedule layout like it did this year it's the it's the ideal situation for whomever is the quarterback uh if i'm a betting man i'm putting my money on charlie brewer just everything i hear everything i know he's going to have a massive advantage from spring football he's uh probably the most seasoned guy they could have uh he'll fit really nicely into what what's going on in the program so so I really like, I really, really like uh, where, where Charlie Brewer is and his team. And Cam Rising, it will be there before it's all over. They do have uh, some, a lot of young talent at quarterback coming up. So uh, it'll, it'll certainly be interesting to see how that plays out over time. But for now, um, the way the schedules came out, the way that uh, Cam Rising being injured and, and and uh, Charlie Brewer having so many reps, additional reps, I just think will put him ahead as this goes forward. All right, I'm going to take a break, come back, talk about Drew Brees retiring after 20-odd years in the NFL. It's crazy. And his career was crazy. Okay, folks, welcome back. Uh, helmets off here. Uh, talking now about Drew Brees. Drew Brees retired with over 80,000 yards, retired uh, at the age of 42 after playing 20 years in the NFL, and one of the most prolific passers uh, in the NFL, went to the New Orleans Saints, which I think some people may have thought was a surprise when he did it because New Orleans has not really historically been a winning franchise. Never had they gone to a Super Bowl. Um, you know, they were often called the Aints. Uh, ain't going to win, ain't going to do anything kind of thing. And um, a, 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 an actually very passionate fan base. Fun part of the country, but never a winner. And so 
Drew Brees ends up going there. And of course he's paired with Sean Payton, who I think is just like almost a, a guru as it comes to uh, quarterback play. And, and boy, if, if I'm a guy in the NFL, he is who I want to play for. I mean, it's like Sean Payton, Andy Reid, Bruce Arians, uh, you know, uh, Sean Payton. Those three guys are definitely, you know, and then you have other guys maybe that don't have the same longevity. But, you know, Doug Peterson would have been great. Uh, I know Carson Wentz didn't, but they, they understand quarterbacks. Um, Frank Reich in Indianapolis, good places to to be a quarterback. So, so he certainly made the most. The timing was impeccable in that he shows up right after Hurricane Katrina. I actually did some service work uh, in that area in the cleanup effort, and that hurricane was just devastating. I mean, physically, it just wiped out so much. It was uh, like just shocking to see the damage that had happened. And then the emotional damage from everything, so many people displaced, so many people taken out of their homes. And, and the recovery of it is, is, is long. I mean, it's long. And it's, you know, to, to have a place of sanctuary in your home and then basically to have it wiped out. And that, and that happened and it happened to a lot of people and I saw it happen. And it was, it was really quite, uh, quite demoralizing. Uh, of course, the Saints come in and they win a Super Bowl in that moment. And Drew Brees says, you know, he can pretty much go anywhere, but he goes to New Orleans. So he's, he, he automatically just endears himself to this fan base. Ends up having this just insane career. You know, his completion percentage, uh, the yards that he threw for a touchdown, you know, all of it. I mean, it's just, it's, he's either number one or number two in about everything. And, and of course, you play that long, and you and you play with that kind of consistency. It's it, it's just truly a remarkable thing. So, I love I love how <clears throat> he was so um, so much more than just playing football, and and the community really wrapped its arms around Drew Brees, and and it was it was it was a special thing. And then uh, to see how, how he handled himself uh, as a person. You know, when you talk about what, what's, your, what's your greatest memory of Drew Brees, it's just kind of how he was as a person in that, uh, you know, just handling that whole situation with her, Hurricane Katrina, uh, the way he was in uh, accomplishing all of the things he did. He, he gave out over 270 footballs, specially made and, and, and kind of uh, monogrammed giving thanks to all the people along the way. And I mean, he goes back to junior high and, teachers and coaches and players and, and all, all kinds of, you know, different, different people who had a, had a significant impact on his success. And so he just had this grace about him that was truly remarkable. And, but, but you go back when he was with the San Diego chargers and I believe it was the playoffs and he's right down on the goal line and he's trying to score a touchdown and he lands like just extremely awkward. And it's his showing, it's his throwing shoulder, and he clearly has a significant injury. And you're looking at this just going, well, this guy's never gonna play again. I mean, or or he's never gonna play with the same kind of uh success. And and he was really, you know, he was really um 
uh, well thought of at that point. Of course, the Chargers, I, I should say, maybe he wasn't because they had drafted um, Eli Manning slash Philip Rivers. And you think Philip Rivers went through his entire career after Drew Brees, and Drew Brees outlasted him. And uh, but you know, so you look at you look at Drew, and you just say, yeah, he's he's probably not. That's hard when you have those injuries on your throwing throwing shoulder, and and he came back from it and was just remarkable. Um, I think I think one of the things that I I can personally appreciate having played the position is is how much uh and how difficult it is to play at a high level to be consistent and to have that success and to do it for 20 years and i i realized the game's changed in the sense that uh, and it is different and it is and and i'm not i'm, I'm not complaining about it but uh i don't you know it, regardless it's hard to play quarterback in the nfl whether it's the game's changed and it's easier for quarterbacks now, or it wasn't. It's, uh, it, you know, it's still a hard, hard thing to do. And he did it in a way that really made it look easy. And it's nice when you have one coach, one system for so long and just getting comfortable and getting um, familiar and understanding situations and how to handle them. Oh man, it's just so, it's so much nicer when you have, when you have that, trust me, I've, I've been through a lot of coordinators and coaches and, and it's just, it's just easier when you have one, one system. So really, really impressed with how, how he handled everything. And, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks and that, that was one thing where he was just really gracious about, you know, Taysom Hill would come in from time to time in the quarterback position. And I guarantee you, because I know Drew Brees is extremely competitive, that probably just didn't sit well with him. But ultimate team player and a guy that's just really comfortable with who he is and really happy for everyone else's success. And just from a mind perspective, from a, a how you handle things on the field as a quarterback, I, I don't know that anyone does it or has done it better than Drew Reese. Truly, truly a remarkable player in the NFL. And uh, will be, you know, fun to listen to him now that he's he's not there. All right, we're gonna take another break. Uh, when we come back, well, the dust hadn't settled and uh, from Drew Brees retiring, and the New Orleans Saints re-signed both of their backup quarterbacks to very unique and different deals. What does that mean? And where, where is the future of the quarterback position with the Saints? Stick around. When we come back, I will tell you. All right, folks, welcome back. The final segment of the day. Uh, well, of course, Drew Brees did retire, and now Taysom Hill slash Jameis Winston will be the quarterback. Who is it going to be? <laughs> I'll tell you who the Saints want it to be. They really, really want it to be Taysom Hill. And they want it to be Taysom Hill because they really feel, and I believe this is Sean Payton probably for the most, he feels 
that there's such a uniqueness about what Taysom Hill can bring to a, a game that uh, it, it just it's just beyond uh, intriguing. That there's so there's so much you can do with him that really creates challenges. Taysom Hill is a running back. I mean, he's not a tight end. He's 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 almost like a running back uh, slash linebacker tight end. You know, he's a lot of things bundled up into one thing. He's a tremendous athlete, super fast, super strong. The problem with him coming out of college was super inaccurate, right? He just, he just didn't throw the ball very – Just it, it, his motion was somewhat flawed, and all that means is just inaccurate, get, a, you know, get in a pressure situation. It's hard for him to come through, a lot of, a lot of potential for turnovers, in, you know, interceptions, what have you. And, and so he was just an athlete, you know, he's, uh, he's a, a lot like Tim Tebow, an athlete. Uh, and, you know, Tim Tebow could not throw the ball either. And he just was not, not a very good, not a very accurate throw. But what's been impressive is Taysom Hill is developed. And, and I, I think they've seen that. And, and of course, you know, I sit here behind Drew Brees and watch every day. You cannot help but like get better. You just can't. I, I, believe me, I know. Uh, watching Dan Marino for four years was was such a blessing in my life. It was so amazing. I mean, just just the fact that I got to do it was was cool in and of itself. But how it helped was also uh, incredible. And so you've seen that development. And Drew Brees or Taysom Hill was able to come in a year ago, and he went three and one. And it's like, wow, he he looks like a quarterback. <laughs> And you saw throws, and you said, "Okay, this 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 might work." Now, what what doesn't work yet, and what nobody knows, is he was a short term solution. So, in a short amount of time, okay, you can have success. But after a, after a while, people will get dialed into you. These defensive coaches, man, they they I don't know that any of them sleep. Right? They just watch. Well, they just watch tape all the time. They're watching, how can we beat this guy? How can we beat this guy? You know, you just see him in this smoke-filled room at 2.30 in the morning, you know, with some stale sandwich and, you know, probably a million Diet Cokes or something. And they're like, okay, we got to, you know, how are we going to um, – and, and all of a sudden, you, you start figuring guys out. And so Colin Kaepernick was a novelty when he came around. A lot of people, the social whatever, I'm just telling you, Colin Kaepernick is not in the NFL because there were flaws in his game. Okay. It's not, I'm just telling you, there's just flaws in his game. And the flaws were, he wasn't going to sit consistently sit in the pocket and make throws. And it's, and it's the deal with, it's the deal with all of the, with all of those guys who um, are runners. <laughs> Eventually defense is going to make you sit in the pocket and that's what they'll do to Taysom Hill. And so, so he, so that's the question mark. If Taysom Hill can get past four games, if Taysom Hill can go through a season, really if Taysom Hill can go through two seasons, then you go, okay, this guy is, he's legit. I, get, I mean, Colin Kaepernick's a great example. Whoa, wow, Colin Kaepernick, he took him to a Super Bowl. People weren't ready for him. And then they got ready for him and it was different. <laughs> Lamar Jackson. MVP wasn't the MVP last year. RG three, 
oh my goodness, he was just tearing the world up with the Washington Redskins. And then he just fell off the face of the earth. And it's because you expose yourself to getting hit by running the football on a consistent basis as a quarterback, guess what? It's going to get old quick. Running backs, for the most part, do not have long careers in the NFL. And they're, they're built even better than quarterbacks to withstand the pounding that they take. And they take a pounding. So, so they want Taysom Hill because he signed a, a $140 million deal, but every year's voidable. So he's essentially on a one-year contract. And that first year is very, you know, it's not a lot more money. Now, if he becomes the starter and does well, then he's going to be paid like a starter, which is fair, fine. But the New Orleans Saints, they don't know if he can, they don't even know if he can do that now. And he's been in their building for some time. They like him. They like what he's going to do. And he's going to start the season out as the starter, unless in training camp, he just falters massively. Now, Jameis Winston, they really like Jameis, think he's got a lot of talent, you know, and he's more of a thrower. And the guy's thrown for, you know, almost 5,000 yards in a season before. But there's a lot of other holes in his game, too. And the holes are decision-making and interceptions and, you know, how committed is this guy and all all these different things. You know, is is he really committed to being this, like, elite-level guy? Because it takes that commitment in order to do it. So you've got. Um, basically you have two guys, but you don't have a guy. And, and I think they feel like maybe one of those two guys can emerge, but they, if they felt like they had emerged and they were the guy, they would have paid them massively. And they haven't. Jameis is on a one year, $12 million deal, which basically is typical backup money. It's like, it's like a very high priced backup quarterback in the NFL today. It's an insurance policy, and most teams will do that. They'll, they'll get a good, solid backup guy. But when you do Taysom Hill for four years at $140 million, and they're all voidable, he's on a one-year deal as well. And one-year deals are the kiss of death if you're a quarterback, if you're any position in the NFL, because basically the team says, yeah, you better get it done right now, like immediately, or we just don't have – we're, we're going to move in a different direction. All right, folks, helmets off. Well, it's now off. Uh, Thanks for joining in. Find us on Facebook at the Helmets Off Podcast, Twitter at the Helmets Off Show. Uh, Love having you comment and, uh, and, you know, please ask questions, whatever you would like. I'm happy to answer them. We've been going now for a long time and it's been a lot of fun. And thanks for joining in. And uh, until then, we'll, we'll see you then. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. 
that's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.